everybody, and welcome to the Fortress Comic News, episode 270. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host. Now, even better, with all the antibodies, it's Mike. <laughs> yep, I, I got the vid last week. Um, it sucked, but here I am. I recovered, did my quarantine for five days. And uh, I'm back to normal, I guess, from what I I hope. I mean, normal, who knows how good normal is for me, but I'm here. So. <laughs> um, well, now you're better yeah. than ever. You got all those antibodies. Yeah, I got I got the protection um, <laughs> and, and all the nanobots from the vaccine, but we won't yes. talk about that. Uh, we have Mr. Blake McCarthy back on the show today. Uh, we're going to talk about Territory Issue 3 coming out to Kickstarter soon. That's uh that's a big favorite of uh Chris and I's because Chris and mine, I don't know. Um it's a big kaiju story with big monsters. So what what more is there to love? Good stuff. Uh, usually some amazing variant covers like retro wave colors with giant monsters. Just good shit all around. Um so so look forward to that. Uh, got a little bit of news. Have some dis- disappointing flashbacks this week. Um, so maybe we'll just jump into that before we talk about the good shows. What do you well, think? I got a fun fortress fact before we get. Oh, going. what's the fortress fact? Let's hear it. I didn't. Right. I didn't know about this one. All right. So we talked about last week. We're doing new merch starting July fourth. Yep. yep. If you're watching the video. Bam. Oh wow! He's got the sketch. I got the original. Damn. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we did tweet we did tweet this out. Uh the poster is finished. We have the original sketch. Um it's gonna be used for a variety of whatever you want, and uh we're gonna use it for a poster, so look look forward to that. I just need to hit the weights a little harder. That's what I see when I look in the mirror, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris and I are both just bodybuilders, but like, you know, we're just nineties action heroes. Um no, I, I love the I love the uh, art and I you know, I tweeted out tag the artist, uh Todd, I believe. Um, did a great job with it. Took took our idea and just expanded upon it. it looks amazing, so yeah. yeah. Kudos to him. Um yeah. So you said July 4th, everybody look forward to that. July 4th. Yeah, just a couple weeks away. Um, okay, Pat's Flash Facts, everyone. Uh, mostly another filler episode, of course. Uh, this is for Flash Season 8, Episode 17 and 18. There's only a few episodes left. And uh, <laughs> there's something, there's a lot of you know crap in here, but there is something that is like a slap in the face to the fans. Um, basically... You know, Pat thinks, you know, there's three episodes left. So uh, Mina Dawn or Dawan is, uh, he thinks is working with Eddie Thawne to get uh, his powers back. And then uh, he can fight Barry. But I think they're going to realize that Thawne is evil and will help Barry defeat him maybe eventually. Um, There's there's two different stories. the citizens to plan to release a, a story revealing the identity identities of a gang. Um, this gang attacks the citizens and uh, there's a whole side story there. There's a B story though, with a new speedster in town, Chris shocking. Yeah. And Pat, Pat knows you're already very excited that they have another speedster. Uh, and Barry thinks that it's Thon that got his powers back. Um, and, but Thon supposedly, you know, locked away in Iron Heights. So Barry and Thon talk like a game of cat and mouse. Um, the nude speedster is a scientist, Mina Dawn, aka Fast Track slash Negative Flash. Um, she she tells uh she tells Barry she found a way to give herself temporary speed. So, um, Barry offers to train her. So the next episode. Um, and, and Pat even says like, he doesn't even, he's not even excited, uh, to watch these shows. Um, you know, I, I don't blame him. I don't know how he's still doing it after all this. 
Uh, but there's a part, if you remember, if anybody remembers, like there was all the rumors about John Diggle uh, being Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they addressed that in this episode. So uh, there's a whole story that I didn't want to get into, but because this part is kind of upsetting to me. Uh, Barry, Barry leaves somewhere and John Diggle steps out of the shadows. Um, Diggle's visiting uh, Thawne to help him with uh, open this magic green box that uh, that that came out of the sky after Oliver's funeral. <laughs> uh, everybody assumed it was going to be the Green Lantern ring, obviously, because it's a glowing green box. And uh, they had revealed in the show that John's was um this the uh stepfather john's stepfather had the last name stewart as in john stewart you know the green lantern so john diggle was john stewart i guess uh so thought helps him open the box and makes him see some cosmic shit it scares diggle he throws the box and it disappears. He says that he doesn't want the power or responsibility and just wants to spend time with his family. Yeah. Why would they set all that up? Um, and then just to have him throw away the ring. You went through all that. See, the, see, we talk about comic science a lot. This is CW science here. Yeah. Like, let's take a character that people want to be something else. Find a way to change their name. Mm-hmm. And then not give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's some after credit scene where they talk about bringing Killer Frost back because it was a terrible idea to get rid of her. Um, and then the still force shows up in another character's jail cell. Uh, they're just recycling shit now, man. <laughs> they're creating like no, st- they're like creating fake stakes. Like, oh, we got rid of Killer Frost, which was a terrible idea for us to do. So, we're going to tease you with bringing her back because that's the thing we should have just kept her there. Yeah. CW for you. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about TV news. Everybody. Uh, Marvel is greenlit another C list hero for Disney plus. Uh, they tapped writer, Andrew guest and director Daniel Cretton to bring wonder man to live action. No other details. But it's an early development. Wonder Man. All right. So they're grabbing the bottom of the barrel now, huh? Yeah, I did see like theories that it's going to be like a satire of Hollywood and mm, all this stuff. That would be interesting. Like there's some interesting stuff they can do, but I this is a tough one because everybody wants Nathan Fillion to be Wonder Man. Yeah, right. I mean, you have to. Yeah, and at this point, if you don't cast them, like you bet the guy, whoever you pick, better be so much better that makes everybody forget about it. Because yeah, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, um, yeah. Wonder, I, I guess Wonder Woman to me would be like the Marvel version of uh, Booster Gold, almost right. Kinda, yeah. If that if that's the direction they're going with, um, a little jokey. I mean, he's got yeah. um actual superpowers but like right his demeanor and everything is similar yeah so yeah it's mm-hmm. a pretty good analogy actually because i wanted nathan fillion to be booster gold so fast you know maybe one day <laughs> maybe um yeah so that's cool let's talk about some shows uh we watched this week obi-wan finally gets it man after episode five uh it sucks that there's only one episode left, I think, right? I believe so, yeah. I feel like we haven't got much. Uh, I feel like there wasn't enough Obi-Wan in these five episodes, to be honest. <laughs> um, so this episode was the best, hands down, I think, because they do the thing we said were like, okay, and they did this in the comic too with the Obi-Wan book, where like him and Anakin are having a flashback, like training. And then they flash between that and like an interaction with them in the real time and like how they've grown from this training and how they still fall for the same shit. Um, or like how, how Obi-Wan didn't see the signs of like, he, he saw the signs of Anakin wanting to be Vader, but he thought he could like train him through it and shit like that. That's what you show in an Obi-Wan show. I don't know why it took five episodes to get there. (laughs) Um, 
but the the lightsaber fight was great uh, with the flashback. Yeah, I mean the episode was siege on Obi Wan's little outpost, a cool battle scene, a death, yeah, yep. a pretty significant death, and then they flee. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I popped hard when. And it tricked me too, because when they took off and Vader, Vader ripped the ship out of the sky and yeah, then just sick. tore it apart. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, finally. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I've was been waiting sick. for that scene in live action for yeah. years. And but then it shows Obi Wan getting the upper hand with the the decoy ship because he knew Anakin would be an asshole like that. Yeah, yeah. Great scene, great back and forth, and then. Uh, I called it in episode one. Grand Inquisitor isn't dead. Um, Apparently, like people are just not dying from lightsaber stabs anymore. <laughs> um, it'd be interesting if they explained it, but right, I knew from the like, like we talked about back then, it creates a huge plot hole if you kill him. So there's yeah. no way he's dead. My one complaint was that I didn't like the the chicks turn to the good side even though yeah. i mean she kind of didn't go to the good side but you know close enough i that whole like let's get the bad guy to do good at the end thing it's like it is a star wars thing so i should love it but i don't know i kind of wish that it didn't take that it was, direction. it was really abrupt and i think it had to do it because there's only a few episodes but like i mean obviously she was there to kill vader because she was one of the younglings from the start so like but also I don't know. I if she she had like, and it's interesting because like I don't know if it's almost like I want to say like Obi Wan almost like force f- use the force to convince her or some shit, but um, Maybe, yeah, you know because uh, there's a the whole scene where they're talking to each other through the door, and he like puts his hand on the door. And I, at, at that at that instance, I was like, "Is this dude like force manipulating her?" Because that that was like the like he put his hand on the door and he knew she was in pain, so he like reached out with the force. I guess um, I thought that was pretty cool because it was up to like interpretation of like whether this dude's just talking talking her down or he's actually like feeling her pull to both sides of the force or some shit like that. So yeah, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That minor complaint aside, cause the way they did it was okay. I just, I, yeah, it's been happening so much in like star Wars related media where it's like the right. bad guy turns. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, what I did love was the fight between her and Vader. Yeah. When like Vader had the upper hand and could have just ended it. And he's like, yeah. nope. And he took the saber in half and like handed and her one. It's like, I'm going to yeah. fight you one-on-one yeah. and we're going to see. Dude didn't even use his own saber. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty and, awesome. Yeah. I, that I like the characterization fight. there. I like the, the yeah. thought the fight was cool. Like, yeah, yeah. so much. Um, yeah, it was a great episode. It just sucks that like <laughs> we get one more, you know? Um, yeah. But, it's going to be a drought. Yeah. I don't even know when the next Star Wars thing is. Yeah, it's true. I don't know either, but it's it'll be at least we have the boys to hold us over. The boys is fantastic this week too. Um, yeah. Did you watch episode five? I did. Now they didn't address the one thing you brought up about last episode: how heavy-handed Butcher was being an asshole. They kind of dialed the asshole back, and just like I feel like the characters just kind of like went over it you know they're just like i i think it was more of like everybody was everybody was away from butcher in this episode kind of you know with like uh uh frenchy in the hospital um doing his thing you had mm kind of like doing his own thing and then he they convinced him at the end you're like okay maybe they're gonna work together and then friggin butcher roofies him <laughs> yeah like uh, he he dials it back the asshole and then he just goes like, it's almost as yeah. if he was holding the punch back and then yeah. right at the end of the episode, it's like right to the gut. <laughs> yep. But also, you know, MM didn't want to take the compound V. So he figured like, I'm not letting you walk to your death and get yourself killed. So, I mean, in that sense, he was really helping him, but 
uh, this this episode, they really put the whole strain on the relationship between um, Huey and Starlight, and he kind of like the end of the episode. And this happens in the comic too, the whole like back and forth of like, no, you got to be with me and not Butcher. Uh, he leaves and goes with Butcher to work with um, Soldier Boy, which you know that's going to change the relationship for sure. Uh, and then more just menacing Homelander this episode. <laughs> God, that guy can act. Yeah, like CEO Homelander. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was funny because he like he mentions like something like a bit or whatever, like looking at the budget before taxes, and he like pronounces it completely wrong, like to show that he's like a dumbass with that stuff. Um I thought that was good because he's like such a tough guy, and they're like, he doesn't like to be made look like he's stupid, so um yeah, but also, like, nobody wants to go against him because he could just rip them in half. <laughs> yeah. And we also got the butcher sex scene with, uh, what's her name? Oh, yeah, with uh, Maeve. Maeve, which was I, yeah the angriest sex scene I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes with butcher. Uh, and then they get, I mean, they put her away somewhere. You know, she's in rehab, quote unquote, but hopefully we see her again. Um, it would suck if we didn't, but cause I, I like her character. She's definitely going to come back for like the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be shocked if she's back next episode. Like if that was just kind of an aside, maybe yeah. she meets someone in rehab or whatever the rehab is. Yeah. Um, um the, the whole a train thing. I like that side story. Uh, with A-Train and uh, Blue Fox. Is that his name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think that that's an interesting... Because, you know, A-Train decided to stay relevant. I just... Man, I hate the deep character so much. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I know he's made for you to hate him. <laughs> he's just so easy to hate. Uh, and any scene he shows up, you're like, this guy is just such a tool. Uh literally like he's being manipulated so uh, overall he's like a great that, episode. he's like that slick preppy guy that like you just hate because there's something about him that's wrong yeah and then what yeah. you realize it is is that he's a fucking tool <laughs> yeah he's a fucking tool um great episode, I, I mean though. yeah great episode the seasons i don't know how many episodes are in the season hopefully like 10 or 12 um I, yeah i thought there was eight but i could be uh, wrong I don't know how they wrap it up. I do like Soldier Boy. We got to see more Soldier Boy. I I love that character. I like the actor playing the character. I think Jensen Ackles doing a great job. Yeah, and just I I'd be interested to see how they take the whole Soldier Boy thing and how that episode ended. Yeah, and if they really have convinced Soldier Boy to be the weapon against Homelander. Right or not? Yeah, and I almost wonder too if that's how they're going to do Herogasm. Is like send they'll probably do next episode of like Soldier Boy's back, and then the right. episode after that maybe it's Herogasm, and they send him in there to be like, go play and have fun, see if you can kill Homelander while you're there, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Oh, because they talked about killing all the heroes, so maybe they send him in there and as like uses his bomb and kills all of them. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Right. Right. Hmm. Also, amazing cameo. Uh, Seth Rogen. Oh yeah, Seth Rogen jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was wild. Um, <laughs> what was his name? Like big, big dick seventy nine or something. No, it was Sir comes a lot sixty nine. Oh, <laughs> oh man, this show's off the chain. It's so good. Um. Yeah, there's so many good side stories, and they're doing such a good job with it. I can't wait to see how the rest of the season, for sure. Um, okay, movie news. Uh, I, I watched Sonic 2. It was good. Um, I thought the reveal... I'm guessing they're doing a third Sonic movie with the shadow reveal at the end of it was pretty sick. Uh, I liked the first one more. The second one was... It was good, but I, I definitely liked the first one more. Um. And Idris Elba voiced the hell out of Knuckles. That was like the best part. Was 
Iris's knuckles. So they announced there's a Sonic Cinematic Universe. <laughs> oh boy, of course. Just I can't say it and not laugh. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a third movie. There's like a Knuckles movie coming out. I don't know. There's a bunch of shit. Oh, okay. The only thing I really liked about this one more than the first one is it did a better job of like doing the little Easter eggs from the game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. Even like, did you notice what the coffee shop was called? No. It was Mean Bean. Oh. Okay. And there's the game Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the whole like Green Hill and all that shit and the, the yeah. mushrooms and stuff. Um, yeah, no, it was good. I mean, they're still fun movies. I just I think I like the first one more. Um, OK, Sony this week gave us some more details about the Across the Spider-Verse movie. Uh, the details are related to characters and casting. We now know that Vulture will be played by uh, Jorma Tacone. George Stacy will be played by uh, Shay Wiggum. And the spot will be played by Jason Schwartzman. Uh, so there you go, Chris. The spot is going to be making his debut. Going to be the most important villain in the in the universe. The world is going to know the glory that is the spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All will know soon enough. Yeah, because they released a poster with the spot. And someone had uh, someone in my friend group texted me. Is like, isn't this the like the dude that Chris is always talking about. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's him. That's the spot rules. Yep. Yep. It's you actually a really cool yep. character to do for this too, because of how his powers work where he yeah, has yep. like, they go the to his own dimension. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. I, and I think, um, was it Jason Schwartzman's actually kind of a perfect, person to play it because he can play kind of serious but he also has like a comedic background mm-hmm. so you can jo- you can like quip and have jokes with them but he can play like a really serious villain role at the same time so i think it's a great cast as well yeah uh of course so this is you know we've been talking about this ezra miller drama and it's like and now there's <laughs> even more stuff about him with a grooming a 12 year old and all this crazy shit um aside from that uh, Deadline has reported that Hollywood Deadline Hollywood has reported that WB plans to cut ties with Ezra Miller following the release of The Flash in 2023. Uh, and this is like, they say like regardless of how this film does. And because like I've been seeing like pre-screening feedback that it's good. I've read like leaked scripts online because I do that shit to myself. Um, and the, the, I mean the plot seems good the way they're doing it. Uh, they've already gone forward with the Michael Keaton Batman because I'm already hearing that he was on the Aquaman set and he's on the Batgirl set. So I think they're trying to change the universe for WB and then get the hell out of there. So they're not they're not moving forward with him. Um, and there's no word of recasting the Flash, but like, dude, Grant Gustin <laughs> has put in the work, guys. My God, I don't know how many times we have to scream it into the ether. I'll take the opposite role on this one. Uh, cast somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I have nothing against Grant, but like we've seen what his flash is at this point. Um, yeah, but when, and, we know he could be Barry Allen and Flash. I mean, he's by far not the worst part of the Flash show now. Um, no, not by far. I wouldn't mind just seeing someone new take it over, but yeah. Like we said months ago, it's an easy fix. Right. You just reshoot the ending. Yeah. Like when he comes back, he's different. Ooh. <laughs> you don't even have to explain much. Just everything right. else changed. Why wouldn't I change? You know, yeah. something like that. And WB um, can't catch a break between like changing Johnny Johnny Depp's face. <laughs> it, it, they, of course, for the Fantastic Beast movie, they had the excuse that it's just magic. They don't need to explain it. Yeah. so hopefully they can just change the timeline not explain it well yeah so they yeah they took johnny out they got amber who doesn't look so hot right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then like, this guy who is just like i don't know if he needs help go get help but like right the dude's a train wreck and yeah if i was a business i wouldn't want anything to do with him yeah um, and like they're digging into more and more stuff in it because he keeps bringing all this stupid attention to himself so he's like okay they're like this guy's clearly not well 
And now people are coming forward like, oh, yeah, he hasn't been well for years. Here you go. <laughs> Here's the proof. Like, yeah. Um, and I feel like he's been given more chances than a lot of people would have in his shoes. Oh, yeah. And it's just piled up so much where I'm like, dude yeah. needs to go. Yeah, he's got to go. <laughs> got to go. But uh, I will still be excited to see this movie. Yeah, um, I'm still going to find the good things in this WB Flash movie. Uh, especially Michael Keaton, Batman. I'm here for that. So we got to be getting a trailer soon. Like it's, isn't this movie less than a year away? Like, um, actually like a year from now, I think it's June 23rd, 2023. Maybe we get a trailer soon. And San Diego comic con's not that far away. Uh, true, true. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully that's the last of the Ezra Miller news we report on. (laughs) So, so hopefully the next one idiot. I get is this is who's uh, taking over yeah, the role. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, everybody, we're going to chat with Blake McCarthy about territory issue three, and we'll see everyone on the other side. All right, everybody, we got a returning special guest for you all this week. Everybody, welcome back. Blake McCarthy. What's happening, Blake? Not much. Thank you guys for having me back. I appreciate you uh, yeah. bringing me back on and, and all the support you've you've been giving territory. So it's fun, always fun coming and talking with you guys. Of course, yeah, and we love to have you back when we you know extend the invite every every uh, interview. So we thanks for thanks for coming back. And I know every issue comes out for territory. You want to talk about it and talk about all the goodies that you're that you have packed in the Kickstarter. Um, so let's just talk about really quick where you know, the story of territory and then where you're going to, where you're going to go with issue three. Definitely. Um, so yeah, just kind of overall, uh, kind of quick summary of the first couple issues for people who aren't familiar is it's a a post-apocalyptic, um, kaiju book. And basically they're in this far distant, uh, post-apocalyptic future and people have kind of been reduced to living, uh, in tribes again and kind of a very, um, primal kind of lifestyle and they worship these kaiju that have popped up as gods and so the first two issues are really focused on kind of this one tribe this one character alkia and the great horn which is this beast you see behind me here um nice, nice. which is the kaiju and that's the kaiju her tribe worships and then in the second issue they go on a kind of a sacred pilgrimage where you see the great horn battle another kaiju um and this all happened in the past and then as they're coming back from that pilgrimage for the third issue, um, they've when they get back to their home, it's been destroyed. And there's uh, evidence of another kaiju battle between the Great Horn and a new one. And so this this third issue is the most fun one to write um, okay. because it's got it's got the most kaiju action out of any nice. of the issues. Nice. And so that was uh, that was really fun to do. You know, that was. Um, wanting to do a kaiju book like that's that's the most fun part and so really getting to dive into that and it's pretty much from the start of the issue all the way through for this one that there's kind of a big kaiju battle going on amongst other things so if you're if you're a fan of just the kaiju action uh definitely want to check this one out and then it also you know so the first two kind of establish the religion um kind of show you know how you've got a character who is born and raised very um, devoutly to this religion. And that's kind of all she's known. And now as she's starting to grow and experience new things, and as she's interacting with the great horn more and, and it interacts with other kaiju that kind of shakes her faith a little bit. And so we start to see how she reacts to that. And this issue really kind of, um, it, it, I won't spoil the ending, but it sets up kind of a big decision for her as to how she's going to kind of deal with her faith going forward and what she's going to believe and uh, just kind of sets her up for her personal journey as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always pumped for more kaiju fighting each other. So. Yes. <laughs> That's all it's, I it's need always, Yeah, I mean, it's always the most fun part. Right? Like, like you don't back a kaiju book if you don't get to see some monster smashing stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I know Chris and I have been huge fans of uh, all the different variant covers um, and goodies that you've done with the Kickstarters. So can we expect to see that with issue three? Or I guess it's as the recording releases, it's out now. But um, talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, we, I've been very lucky um, with the variant artists, the variant covers and the artists I've worked with so far. I feel like this issue is no exception. Um, we've got Martha Wommersley returning again, which I think is, I mean, she's, like I've said before, you know, as long as she wants to keep drawing covers for this, I will keep having her draw yeah, covers. Yeah, Martha's covers are insane. <laughs> Yes. And they're so unique too. You know, she uses this crazy neon color palette and she's got a very distinct style. Um, so she really captures the essence of the kaiju, but it, it looks differently than kind of any other artist's interpretation of it. And it's, it's this really cool stylized neon, totally different take on the kaiju while also, um, feeling very, uh, feeling very true to kind of what we were going for. So she has another cover of the newest kaiju, um, which is called the model Ishiki. Uh, which is, uh, so it's this kind of serpentine desert looking, um, kaiju. It's got, it's very reptilian. It's very sinister looking. It's got, you know, fangs, claws, um, and it's just, it's by far the most evil looking, um, kaiju we've got while still having kind of that natural animalistic feel. And so she did a great job with that. And then one other um, really cool kind of a couple new artists got to work with for variant covers. Uh, so this one had two people collaborating. It was Flops Comics and Leone O'More. Um, so Leone actually drew the cover and then Flops kind of did the design. And the reason for that being it's a, a retro tribute cover to the original um, Godzilla Marvel uh, comic, the debut okay. issue which nice. was came out in like 77, I want to say. And uh, so Leone drew this really great um, kind of tribute cover with the great horn and Alkia and the characters in the foreground um, and kind of, you know, changed some of the buildings and stuff to look more like the territory world. And then I don't know if you're not familiar with flops, he, he specializes in have retro comic design. Um, he does do some illustration, but he's also just really good at, he does, you know, corner boxes, really good at capturing kind of that old, um, retro vintage kind of golden age feel. And then as well as, um, you know, just using layers and stuff to make it look more retro. And it came out amazing. It really looks like something that would have, um, you know, come out around the seventies and it, it captures the essence and the feel awesome. of the, uh, yeah, the OG Godzilla cover while also, you know, really showing the, the great horn and the characters really well. So I think that's that'll be one that um, we haven't really done like a full tribute like that. And I think that's one that uh, people will really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Very so cool. now I have to get two covers is what you're telling me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, I and, think I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then there is one more, um, Chris Sassman, the artist, the main artist on the book, the artist who did the main cover also did another one, um, kind of a more, uh, minimalistic one. So w with the main cover for this book, you, you get this kind of action shot of the great horn and the model Ishiki fighting. Cause we really wanted to showcase the kaiju for the cover in this one. Cause we hadn't done that in any previous covers for the, for the main cover. And, mm -hmm. uh, the, but then he did a variant where you get kind of the sinister eyes from this new kaiju in the background and um, Alkia is holding up her bow and some people are reaching up to it. So you get kind of the religious feel to it with the kaiju in the background. It feels very ominous, um, very tribal. And I think it's uh, just, it's a very cool feel. It's very different from the main cover of the book. So it gives people some options as far as which one they want to do. Very cool. Um yeah, like Chris said, I'm going to buy a couple probably because I think last time I did like the, there was like an anime style or manga style one mm -hmm. and, and with Martha's cover too, I was like, yeah, I can't say no, no to these. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and honestly, like, that's one thing I've really enjoyed doing um, is the variant covers just because, you know, getting to build the world is cool, but then seeing, seeing other artists interpretation of it and getting to adapt it to different styles, like the manga, you know, is totally unique. And this retro variant is going to be totally unique. And yep. so, you know, being able to see this world through different lenses, um, is, is really cool. Cause it, it makes it, you know, I think it makes it feel a little deeper and it's not just, you know, Oh, this is territory. It's like territory is, is a story that can be kind of seen and told some different ways and, mm -hmm. and seeing some different interpretations is really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I know you, you're going to continue to plan this out, right? Was it six issues for the first arc or do you know? Yet? So, yeah. So it was actually, it was originally six issues, um, but it's actually going to end up being five. So uh, with the second issue, 
the first issue had no editor. And then the second issue, uh, Nicole DeAndrea came on board as an editor and she's been great. And I feel like the second issue, um, read a lot better than the first one due to her, you know, editorial skills, pacing, storytelling. She's very good at that. And as we kind of looked at the overall story, um, we realized that you could, I think it's five books will be more impactful and it will flow better and be more exciting. Um, cause I have six written, but they kind of drag out at points. So we're going to combine, um, parts of a couple of them and it'll, and cut it down to five books. So the first arc and really the whole story I have in mind will be told in five books. Interesting. Great. Cool. So I, I want to go back to the covers real quick. As we're recording this, we haven't seen the Kickstarter's not live as we're recording this. My favorite part of your Kickstarters thus far is looking at to see what the Mars variant's going to be or the Martha's variant's going to be. Yeah. Um, and because I like to throw things out there that I want to happen, I think the coolest thing for like when you do the trade would be to do like a poster getting all of her covers on one like image. Yeah, that'd be sick. I agree. And especially because it's kind of cool because, you know, the first three have been different kaiju each time. So um, getting it. And that's actually one of the rewards I'm doing for this uh, Kickstarter is for people who haven't been able to get her covers in the past is there will be a bundle. You can get the first three issues, her covers um, on it. So, you know, just for people that that like it, just – you know, really being able to get all of her stuff. But I definitely, I agree. I think, you know, I'm going to try to work with her as much as possible and, and use her artwork as much as possible. Cause it's, it's one of my favorite parts about the, um, how all this has come together so far. And, you know, I think a lot of people have really dug it. So definitely, um, I'll be trying to incorporate stuff like that in the future. Have you thought past issue five at all to see like, is there more to this world you want to explore or, are you kind of set on doing these five and then maybe moving on to a different story? Um, so I've definitely thought past it and I, so this story has a pretty definitive ending. And, um, that being said, I have other ideas for other stories in this world, but I wouldn't call them necessarily like sequels. It would be more, um, you know, kind of, other other areas that's going on in the same world but with new you know kind of a new set of characters in the same world um i've got one story in particular that i do plan on writing out at some point um just because i think it would really kind of take a lot of the themes that i've written here and take them to the next level while also um being a new interpretation of it you know it wouldn't just feel like more of more of the same it would be you know more territory but with you know some some different um, a different take on it. And then that being said, I, I do plan on doing a, a different story first. I have another um, series that I'd, I'd like to work on after I finish issue five. I'd like to get issue five done and get a trade out there. And then I have another series I want to um, start working on, but I could definitely see, I would like to somewhere down the line work on at least one more story in the territory world. Um, whether it's you know comes out as kind of a sequel or just uh, you know a new story set in the same world. Cool, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm pumped to um, read the rest of the issues. And uh, yeah, and um, as as we're talking now, the Kickstarter will be live. But um, where can where can we send our listeners and our our viewers to follow you and what you're doing, Blake? Uh, so still. You know, Kickstarter, obviously, and then um, Twitter and Instagram. I mostly communicate through Twitter. Um, I do try to post stuff on Instagram, especially, you know, um, a lot of the new art and everything and, and do little previews and stuff there. Uh, both of the, um, you know, both of my tags are the same. It's just at BMC Comics on both Twitter and Instagram. So Twitter would be the, the most up-to-date info, but Instagram will give you kind of a good idea of, of uh, the visuals and a lot of the, um, you know, big news as it comes out. Okay, great. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, and to all the listeners out there, we will have links in the show notes to the Kickstarter, so make sure to check the book out. We've been telling you left and right to check it out. You got to go do yep. it. You got to um, do it. We love this book. So, Blake, thanks so much for joining us again, man. Um, best of luck with the Kickstarter. Uh, I know it's a stressful time, but I'm sure you're going to kill it. And uh, we look forward to the next time we chat, man. Yeah. 
Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm curious to hear what, you, uh, hear what you have to say about this one. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait. And we're back on the other side. Yes, so look for that Kickstarter issue three. Check it out. It's a series that we really enjoy. Uh, cool it's concept. Live right now. Right You're now. listening to this. It's live right now. Yes, it's out there. Go give them your money. Find the cool variants. Um, do what right. I do and only buy the variants. <laughs> only, yeah, that, I think that's what I do too. Uh, okay, comic news, everybody. Um, DC has announced that Tim Drake is getting his own ongoing series following the events of Batman Urban Legends and DC Pride Tim Drake Special coming this fall. The new series will be called Tim Drake Robin. <laughs> Okay. And it'll be written by Megan Fitzmartin and art by Riley Rosmo. Never read any of Megan's stuff. I know Riley, Riley Rosmo has really good art. Uh, I will not be reading this book because I could give a shit about Tim Drake. <laughs> if that's your Robin, hey, that that's it. My only Robin is Carrie Kelly, and they'll never do a book about her. So, It's um, no way's Robin. That's why they keep changing his backstory. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tim Drake needs to find a home somewhere. Uh, joking aside, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I care less about this. Tim Drake was never interesting to me. Um, I don't know. He's the forgotten Robin for a reason. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, they're trying to sell some issues, I guess. Uh, Kal-El is returning to the main Superman title this fall. Uh, for a short crossover story with Superman, Son of Kal-El, the story will start with a one-shot special titled Superman War World Apocalypse Number 1, which the cover for it, go look it up, it looks sick. Yeah, it's uh, dope. It's a dope cover. And then switch between Action Comics uh, 1047 to 1049 and Superman, Son of Kal-El 16 to 18. Uh, this couldn't get any more confusing for anybody. <laughs> uh, I believe... That means Tom Taylor is writing all of it? Nope. Okay, so that's even more confusing to me. Um, I'm going to wait to see the dust settle on all this and then see if I can just read them all at once or just read the one shot and be done with it. I did fall off of Superman, Son of Kal-El. Um, that character is just not for me. Uh, I prefer the... We talked about this. The young John Kent is like what we want. I don't want to see young. I don't want to see John Kent trying to be a, an adult um, and filling his father's shoes. It's just like I'd rather read the Superman book at that point. Yeah, I'd, I don't like John Kent trying to be an adult but acting like a teenager. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm mean, sorry. I I think it's true. Yep. The other writer on this is the superstar known as Philip Kennedy Johnson. Oh well. Um, cause he's doing the action comics book as well as the warlord apocalypse book. Okay. Um, yeah. this won't get me back in though. No, no, sorry. I'll be back for the big rebranding of Superman when they get yeah. someone else to book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they give it to like, I don't know the first six issues to Grant Morrison again or something. Yeah, because uh, I was all in on Philip K. Johnson's Superman, and then it like lasted three issues, and they're like, here's a different Superman. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking why DC. Are you, why are you doing this to us? Uh, now to be outdone by Marvel, <laughs> DC is celebrating Harley Quinn's 30th anniversary this year. Uh, they have an oversized comic to go with it. Um, not to poke fun at it, but the special will feature some great talent. Uh, Stephanie Phillips. Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Stefan Sejic, Paul Dini, and more. So big hitters for this. I might have to check this out. Uh, but 30th anniversary for Harley Quinn. Eh. Is it something that we should be celebrating? Probably not. Is it something DC wants to exploit to make the almighty dollar? Yes. So if you're a Harley Quinn fan, this is huge for you, I guess. I'm down for this celebration. Yeah. I don't know. 30 seems like a good number to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. You have a point. 30. I'm turning 30 this year. I could, I could sympathize with that. Yeah. Now that like when they get into like the 65, 75s, like it's, those are, those are weird, man. 
Marvel gets a little ridiculous doing it every five years. And the thing is, is their yeah. entire universe was created in the same year. So it's like right. 80 different anniversaries every five years. It's like, okay, yeah. guys, like we get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this coming from a hardcore Marvel fan. <laughs> I know. Damn. Damn, son. Uh, yeah. I mean, huge fan of Stephanie Phillips. So, uh, you know, support her. Um, and this, this, they get, they got a lot of talent on it. You know, it doesn't seem just to be a throwaway for them. So, yeah. And we don't really read a whole lot of Harley, but they're doing like the books going weekly. Um, I just read today that like the next story that was, um, solicited is the death of Harley Quinn. Oh boy. Yeah. Like, so they're, they're going all out for that anniversary shit. So yeah, we'll see how it all works out for them. Um, Marvel has announced that in 2023, the Planet of the Apes will be returning to the comics publisher for a new and reprinted stories. Chris, are you excited about this? Yes. Really? OG Planet of the Apes, man. They're not doing like I love the new movies, don't be wrong. Yeah. I couldn't get into the new like comics based on those new movies. Uh-huh. This is based on OG Planet of the Apes. I am okay. so in. If they get a good writer and, and creative team going too. Even better, but I will check out issue one. I don't care who's writing it, who's drawing it. I'm going to check this out. Damn, I'm so excited. I know that Planet of the Apes has a big following, so I mean, Marvel would not do something like this unless they were going to sell some issues. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, other comic comic publishers beware because so far everything that Marvel has bought in terms of their um, cinema, I shouldn't say Marvel, Disney has bought for their like movie stuff. All those properties seem to be coming in house to Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is true. Um, they're probably testing the waters to, to, for another Planet of the Apes film. Well, I guess, oh, no. Please. I guess, well, WB or Legendary did the Planet of the Apes films with Matt Reeves. So I wonder how that would work. Yeah, but Fox owned the rights to it, so they had to have Fox's permission to do it. Uh, so they probably licensed through Fox, but now that Disney owns Fox... I mean, those movies were so good, though. They were. They were really good. Yeah. Um, But, dude. Yeah. If this is the testing ground for more Planet of the Apes movies, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they'll do anything to make more money. Uh, Image Comics and KLC Press have announced that the latest Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman collaboration is coming to print at Image Comics this August. The new dark fantasy 90s inspired comic um, was a launching point for the KLC Press substack. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm going to be checking that out for sure. Yes, and that, I didn't write it down. That book is Vanish. Um, yeah. Hell yeah, I'm checking this out. I don't care. <laughs> Dark fantasy 90s inspired comic? Sure, why not? Donnie Cates could probably sell me on like what was the name of the, the manga that one of our past guests got her start in? Oh, like the Yaoi? Yeah. Yeah, like Donnie could write Yaoi and I'd be like, well, I gotta check it out. It's Donnie. I should, yeah, I should probably try <laughs> it. You know, at least give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is exciting. I love I love fantasy shit. Um, yeah, I'm down for this. It looks kind of like the designs and everything remind me of uh, the darkness, which I'm not a huge fan of, but like, yeah, the darkness was a huge property. Um, and I think Donnie's got that unique voice where you can take those like kind of cheesy nineties things mm-hmm. and make them cool again and do them in a new way that like actually makes them a lot more interesting. They were. Yeah. AKA venom. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, we'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, very sad news. This is way too surprising. Uh, Tim Sale has passed away at age sixty six. Uh, way too young. Um, I mean, if you don't know who Tim Sale is, I mean, come on, Batman Long Halloween. Uh, he did the award winning Marvel Color series. I mean, he was involved in a lot of different Batman shit at DC. Uh, his his drawing of Batman is super iconic. I mean, Long Halloween has been pulled on from almost every cinematic movie universe. Uh, the that that series is fantastic. Um, I know Matt Reeves talked about how he pulled from that. 
that just the just the art in general, like those covers and the whole art for the series is very iconic. Um, very sad, man. It was such a surprise last week. Yeah, I'd seen that he went to the the hospital for something, and then yeah. it felt like two days later I was seeing that he's passed, like he's yeah. gone. I was like, holy right. shit. Um, the Marvel Color series that so was a Daredevil Yellow, Spider Man Blue, Hulk uh-huh. Gray. Um, even if you're not a Marvel fan, they're just amazing stories. They are all pretty much origin stories, but they're done in a very palatable way. Um, mm-hmm. And then Captain America White was the last one they did. But Captain America White was later on. The earlier ones were some of the first like Tim Sale stuff I read and I fell in love with. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sucks. It really does. And it's getting tougher and tougher every time it's somebody younger than my parents, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Holy crap. Like, that's 66 is a young age. Uh, that's crazy. Um, but, you know, he's... With as sad as, as it is, I think comics is such a great medium for artists and writers too to kind of be immortalized through that. Um, especially someone like Tim Sale, who you for all for all eternity you will see Long Halloween and at least the top ten, if not top five, like essential Batman stories to read. Oh, every time a Batman movie comes out, that's like yeah, third or fourth on the list every time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like it's right underneath Dark Knight. I did a quick search and I couldn't find like his family needing help or asking for help or anything. But mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone wants to search further, maybe something like that's going on. I don't know how much, how well he did for himself or. Yeah. But yeah. Um, bummer. Really big bummer. Okay. Let's talk about what we read this week. Uh, I had the luxury of being in Boston this weekend. So I stopped in Newberry Comics just to grab some books picked up Jurassic league number two. Cause I love those covers. Love this series. This is probably the most fun. This book was fantastic this week. Uh, uh, I know you're reading this too. I love all of the, the, the most exciting part of this book to me is like the, the dinosaur hero reveals and villain reveals. Also the amazing, like splash pages like this, like Kaiju DC. What is going on, man? This book is so much fun. Uh, and then we get to the reveal of the big bad, or at least the the henchman to the big bad. Um, uh, it's Atrocitorus. So it's Atrocitus. Uh, if you know the red, uh, the red lantern, the head of the red lanterns, but he's a dinosaur. And you have the Joker dinosaur, but you also have the reverse Flash uh, running him to Atrocitus. And the reverse flash looks like a like a turtle bird slash <laughs> uh, dinosaur. It's fucking amazing. Uh, and then they said they're yeah. Did we see the flash in the first issue? Because I don't remember that. No, we don't. So okay. he just yeah, that was just another reveal that was great. Um, and then they talk about they're bringing back some big bads. So I really want to know who the head of all the dinosaurs is. It's gotta be Dark Side, right? Yeah. Like dark, what would you dark call Darksaurus, Darkosaurus Rex or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, Dark Side was a T Rex. Yeah, Dark. He's got to be a T Rex, right? Like they say, I, we haven't seen a T Rex yet. Um, it, this book is so much fun. The colors are amazing. The art is amazing. We finally got the Trinity teaming up at the end of the book to go fight the big bads, which was just it was. They're doing a great job. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson and. Uh, Gideon doing the art. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I love uh, that book. This is a book I read already, but I picked up uh, this variant for Justice League Road to Dark Crisis. Um, this is a Chris Burnham variant, and it has uh, Pariah sitting on the front reading. Like, he's got stacks of comics behind him. Oh, a throne of long boxes? Yeah, he's got a throne of long boxes, and he's reading uh, Justice League of America. Um, and it's the issue. The funny part is he's holding my favorite Justice League of America issue. I believe it's 29 where you have the crime syndicate on the front. That's the issue he's reading. So I don't know if that's like a, a hint at something, um, but it's like, you know, Green Lantern versus Power Ring. I believe that's the issue he's holding. Um, 
and then there's other issues on the ground. But uh, Chris Burnham's art's amazing, and I thought this was just such an awesome variant that I had to pick up. <laughs> and then Chris had talked about this. I found this at a local shop, so I figured I'd support Vault Comics and get this awesome hardcover for Barbaric. Uh, Chris was right. It is fucking sick. Um, I mean, the colors just pop. Like, ugh, Such a good book. Yeah. Hardcover's under 20 bucks too, $17. So... Um, I will say this too. We talked about uh, uh, the uh, the the Dungeons and Dragons like fantasy pub book um, quest aside. Quest aside, I ended up getting my hands on a second printing of the first issue, and I don't know if, if you look it up. It is the cover to D and D, like the red. It, the The cover art is like the red D and D like box art. So oh, I had that's to cool. I had to pick up that variant. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I ordered that, but yeah, so uh, those are my physical copies that I bought. And then obviously I read um, some more stuff, but man, Jurassic league just happens to be, uh, that book is just so much fun. Um, I caught up on Batman beyond uh, zero year or not zero year. Um, Neo year. Number three. I know you read that. talked about it really good. I caught up in dark Knights of steel. Number seven, monkey prince. Number six, uh, Thor 26 is really good. And then I, um, Iron Fist number four. This is actually really good. Uh, Alyssa Wong is killing it. Um, I know I talked about this at first uh, with her, but she um, she brings in a couple more immortal weapons, and there's like a big fight with with uh, Iron Fist and his friends, stuff like that. And then uh, and then we get some more characters coming in at the end and setting up like who the what the villain's doing, who the main villain is, um, and there's you know, this Feng G G is his brother. And so he's the villain trying to get the sword from him. Um, it's just a great story. I would, I would recommend it. Uh, Radiant black, uh, number 15. I tweeted about this. Did you read that? This book? No, I'm behind on radiant black. Okay. So there's a QR code and that's, that's all I'll say. And you watch this. It's actually like, the issue revolves around how radiant black is like fighting this old action hero and like an actual movie within the, within the book. And they talk about, it's like a fan movie and then they have a QR code in the, on one of the pages. And it's actually like you, you can click on it with your phone and it t- sends you to YouTube to watch this five minute animated short. And they have Batman beyond voicing radiant black, which is amazing because they talk about that in the issue. Um, it's a great issue. You have, you have both the friends, Nathan, and I can't remember the other guy, the one who used to be radiant black and the new radiant black trying to get along and find his way of like, okay, I can't wear the suit anymore, but the alien is still talking to him. So like, he doesn't understand, um, uh, uh, like what, what he's going to do. He's like, and, and even the, like the alien admits to him, I don't know how I can still contact you without the suit. So they're both kind of learning things. It also involves Ambush, the villain, and how she wanted to recharge her suit to like keep her because she has that issue where she had like she needs the suit to stabilize her body because she has like her own medical issues. And someone kind of shows up and says, "We're going to take Radiant Black out, and I actually need your help because she they keep letting her get away. Like they won't they won't like actually do anything to harm her." Um, and that is all I read this week because I had some books to catch up on. Let's see. I'll start with my physicals this week because I want to end on one. Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number one. This is the Lanza Kelly cat book. Nice. Um, Okay, first issue. It's a lot of setup. Uh, Cap's going to go live in the apartment he grew up in. uh, Get back to his roots, if you will. Nice. And uh, then there's an attack on uh, 4th of July parade in New York city. He fights this villain and the villain tells him like, there's something about the shield that he doesn't understand. Um, I really hope they're not going in the direction I'm thinking they're going, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's going to be something going on with the shield in the next couple issues. Okay. Um, uh, in the beginning of the book, they show somebody forging the steel, um, back in the forties. And it's very, it's two black guys doing it. Oh, uh, okay. I see. I hope they're not going down that route because it's uh, it's going to be tiring 
for me personally. Um, but that aside, it was a good first issue. Bucky's in it. We kind of get uh, some parts of like what Bucky was doing back in uh, Devil's Reign mm-hmm. and uh, knowing that he has some sort of vendetta out for people. Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number two. Um, good couple stories. Uh, uh, David Pose has a story in here. So that was cool to see somebody we know in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an anthology book about Moon Knight. A lot of stuff about split personalities and fighting bad guys. Nice. <laughs> if you're a Moon Knight fan, you'll enjoy it. If you're not, you, you probably won't. <laughs> Uh, drastically so a town called terror number three um in this issue we got uh so our late lead character in the last issue got into a bar fight in the town called terror with this gang i guess called the franks and they're all frankenstein monsters uh-huh. and they're the ones his father made a deal with so his father came back to life so he leaves um, after like meeting some friends and beating up this one Frankenstein and tries to go back to his dad to be like, okay, I'll help you, but like you have to help me get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And the Frankensteins find him and corner him, and that's when we find out that there's more to this guy than we know because he has giant like wings that come out of his back, and he's obviously got like some sort of enhanced strength. Okay. Um, and he also flies up to the... Um, he figures, oh, I can just fly out of here. Like he doesn't like to use his wings for some reason, so he mm-hmm. tries and finds out there's a dome around the town, oh. so he can't get out. So that's why he has to go back to his father and be like, "I'll help you." But my deal is, is when this is done, I'm done. I'm going home. Yeah, um, understandable. Really cool, interesting book. I'm really enjoying it. Cool. Uh huh. I just closed off my thing, and then my last book is uh, Mike's favorite artist of all time, Seven uh. Sons Number One. With Art by Jai Lee. Yeah, I was going to read that. Honestly, I was going to read that this week, and I opened it up, and I didn't know Jai Lee was doing the art, so I closed it. <laughs> um, this is I'm I'm in somewhat agreement with you about Jai Lee. I don't like him on superhero stuff. Yeah, but I like him on independent stuff, and I actually really liked him doing uh, Osmandius. Yeah, okay. I thought he was actually kind of perfect for that character. This is a story of it's an alternate timeline. And they let you know that because at one point they introduced Jimmy Carter as two-term president Jimmy Carter. <laughs> and I think that was their hint to be like, this is a different timeline, people. Yeah. Um, but at some point, the, this guy comes up with this, is, speaks to God and finds out that there's going to be seven sons born at the same time, all by virgin parents. Okay. And one of them is the second coming of Christ. Uh um, and then you find out there's this like terrorist group that's trying to kill the seven sons and they're able to get six of them before anointing the last one to be the, the second coming, the uh, second son of Christ or second wow. son of God. And uh, that leads into a whole story about what he's capable of, what he can do and how the kind of the United States has centered around this new religion. Mm-hmm. Um being a like it, that it was predicted inside the states and all that, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of uh, if you're, it's a lot of Christian mythology stuff. It's a lot of biblical references, but I did really enjoy it. It's also like stuff that's up my alley. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I like Charlie's art in this. I actually think it's some of his best art, to be honest. Um, all right, maybe I will try it then. Just because the, the funny part is, is like most of his characters in this are pretty good. Like huh. uh, he. He's always had an issue with a variety of like bodies and mostly faces, like face yeah. types. Mm-hmm. He does a pretty good job in this, but then like the the Christ figure, the elite character who's going to become the lead character, um, has the Jai Lee face. Oh, uh, <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, I do, I do. So that's how that character stands out from everyone else. So it's kind of interesting how we did that, but huh. he did really it on purpose. It. Okay, cool. Yeah, he had to have. Yeah. But limited series, so I think it's six issues, so I'll definitely stick with it. I really enjoyed that first issue. Cool. So, Mike, that's everything. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, and you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter, as well as FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, to like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the video version of this. 
and to give us the five-star review on podcatcher of your choice or whatever your podcatcher does just do the thing that says yay i like this show yes do that and if you want to go the extra mile patreon.com slash fortress comics also as we talked about the top of the show new merch hitting july 4th um so make sure to keep your eyes out while you're celebrating america's birthday yeah you get some cool shirts That's everything we have for this week. I hope to see you all next week.